Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special Christmas message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. This morning, I thought to take a little detour and a different look at Christmas and Christians. And so I'd like to begin this morning by asking you two questions. What is Christmas and what does it mean to the Christian? What is Christmas and what does it mean to the Christian? First of all, let me have your attention. What is Christmas? Well, let me just say that scholars aren't sure that Jesus was born on December the 25th. There are many different traditions and theories as to what date Jesus was born. Some say Jesus was born January 6th. Uh, Some say March 9th. I'm not going to bore you with the details as to why they believe the dates that they believe, but uh, we'll tell you the dates. Some say that Jesus was born April 20th. Uh, Some say May 20th. Some say September 29th. Uh, A Christian tradition said that Mary was told that she was having a special baby on March 25th and countdown nine months brings you to December the 25th. That date is called or was called and still is called uh, the Annunciation. Perhaps you know that on March 25th. Um, I will tell you that the December 25th date is actually more pagan than it is Christian. Uh, December 25th might have been chosen because of the winter solstice. Uh, The winter solstice is a day when you would have the shortest time between the sun rising and the sun setting. It's December 21st through December 22nd. Uh, To pagans, this meant that winter was over and spring was coming, and they had a festival to celebrate and to worship the sun for winning over the darkness of the winter. In Scandinavia, uh, in northern Europe, uh, the winter solstice is also known as Yule. Uh, That's where we get the Yule logs. Uh, In eastern Europe, the midwinter festival is also called Koleda or Koleda. Uh, K-O-L-E-D-A, Coletta. Uh, There was also a Roman pagan midwinter festival called Saturnalia. Saturnalia was on December the 25th. This was a time to worship the false deity Saturn. It was also believed that December 25th was the birthday for the pagan god Sol Invictus. Sol Invictus, the unconquered sun. Uh, This was later in the Roman Empire. Uh, During this time, there were feasts and parades and special music and gifts and and, uh, uh, gift giving and and lights and candles and and green trees. 
uh, it was a Christian church member living in that pagan culture that decided to Christianize the holiday. And in 36 AD, are y'all listening? In 36 AD, uh, the Roman Emperor Constantine declared Jesus' birthday on December 25th and also an official Roman holiday. Uh, the truth is, nobody knows why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. So we can conclude, listen, that Christmas isn't in the date. It isn't in the date. Well, if it's not in the date, then maybe it's in the name, uh, Christmas. Christmas is the short form of Christ Mass, a Catholic Mass. At that time, the church also called it the Feast of Nativity. It was not until 450 AD that it came in to be called the Christ Mass or Christi Christi Mass or the Mass of Christ. Uh, Christmas came to be called Popish tradition by by, by Protestants who were trying to return to biblical Christianity. As a matter of fact, in 1224 A.D., St. Francis of Assisi started the baby manger thing. And when he started a new cult at that time, a new cult of Mary worship. Well, if Christian Christmas is not in the date and it's not in the name, well, maybe it's in Santa Claus. Uh, uh, not. Some of y'all look disappointed. Okay, you know what in Santa Claus say, Amen. Oh, some of y'all didn't say it. Wait a minute, let me, you, y'all didn't hear me. You knew Christmas wasn't about Santa Claus. Say amen. Okay, you're scaring me. Okay, okay. And it can't be about Santa Claus because Santa Claus never existed. The idea of Santa Claus came into existence from the fourth century uh, a bishop who gave his possessions to the poor. His name was uh, Bishop St. Nick or St. Nicholas. So each year, St. Nick would give gifts to the kids and it became a tradition. Santa Claus' name became popular in Holland and he got imported to America by way of Holland. Dutch children expected the friendly saint to visit them on December 25th. And so they would put their wooden shoes by the fireplace, hoping that they would be filled with goodies in the morning on December 25th. Well, Americans being the fast thinkers that we are, uh, know that you can get a lot more in a sock than you can in a wooden shoe. So we made an adaptation, hanging stockings. Um, Now, does the name Clement Moore sound familiar to you, Clement Moore? Clement Moore immortalized the idea of Santa Claus and made it an American thing because it was Clement Moore who wrote, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." It was published in 1823 in a newspaper in New York, and it became the format for Christmas. Are you still with me? Uh, So if Christmas is not in the date, and it's not in the name, and it's not in Santa Claus, well, maybe Christmas is in the Christmas card. Uh, Nope. Uh, The cards started less than 100 years ago. Do you know that 75 million families will spend $900 million on Christmas cards this season and another $300 million to mail them? So if it's not in the name, it's not in the date, Christmas is not in Santa Claus, it's not in the cards, well, maybe it's in the tree. I'm working here, people. I'm trying to, do, I'm trying to help you. Or maybe it's in the tree. Nope. The tree didn't arrive until the 16th century. 
So the question then is, what is Christmas and what does it mean for the Christian? Listen, I hope I don't mess up your psyche and I hope I don't mess up your Christmas. But listen, Christmas for the Christian is nothing. Christmas for the Christian isn't biblical. It isn't commanded by the Lord. It isn't apostolic. That means during the apostolic age, they didn't practice it. It was never observed in the, are y'all listening? It was never observed in the early church. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Puritans called Christmas Ramesh. Ramesh is rags. Uh, they intentionally worked on December 25th to show disdain for the pagan holiday. In 1644, the Puritans passed a law making Christmas mandatory workday and illegal to cook plum pudding or mince pie. So strip the fact that Christmas is not in the Bible, strip off the fact that it's not the date, strip off the name, strip off the card, strip off the tree, and what do you have? You have just another date on the calendar. Listen, for the Christian, Christmas has no biblical meaning. It isn't historical, it isn't scriptural, it isn't Christian. But listen, for the Christian, every day we celebrate Jesus. Am I right about that? So we don't, we don't have to have a day to celebrate Jesus, and then the rest of the year we do our thing. I ain't going to say what our thing is. Just say amen. Uh-huh. We celebrate Jesus every day. Every day is a day for the Lord. Now I can hear you thinking, uh, so, Pastor Rodney, is it wrong to celebrate Christmas? Is it wrong? Well, no, not at all. I think, as a matter of fact, Christmas is a beautiful time of year. I love Christmas. Love it. Love to go look at the lights. Love to drive around with the lights and the people that decorate the, the yards. And 13, and one guy around here does 13, 14, 15 acres of lights and stuff, and people drive around and go. We did that the other night with the kids. And, you know, you roll down the windows and look at, ooh. Look at the lies. Look at, I love all that. I mean, I love Christmas. It's a beautiful time of year. I think that Christians should take advantage of this time of year. I think it's a good opportunity to get the family together and get friends together to share the gospel. And it's during Christmas, listen, that you have them kind of caught off guard because everybody's thinking about Jesus. Everybody's thinking about the baby in the manger. And while they're caught off guard thinking about the baby Jesus, you can give them the truth. You can give them the real Jesus. Spurgeon said this. He said, look, Christmas is here. We might as well live with it and take the opportunity to, to exalt Christ. I like that. It's unfortunate that the world wants to leave the baby in the manger. Listen, and maybe I can get a witness in this house. The baby is all grown up and become a man. And I'm waiting while you clap your hands. And not only a man but he's a sovereign king of kings and what? The Lord of lords. Listen, you got a pen? I want you to see Jesus this morning as he is and shall be. And I want you to see Jesus in his second coming in contrast to his first coming. You got your pen? I'm going to give you five things from the book of Revelation about Jesus. This is a whole different Christmas sermon for you, isn't it? Five things from the book of Revelation about Jesus. Got a pen? Write this down. Number one, his person. His person. We're going to talk about that. Revelation chapter one, verse five. Number two, his preeminence. His preeminence. Revelation chapter five, verse five. We'll talk about that. 
his person, Revelation 1.5, his preeminence, Revelation 5.5. Thirdly, we'll talk about his praise in Revelation 5, 8, and 9. Fourthly, we'll talk about his promise in Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, verse 12, and verse 20. And finally, we'll talk about his plea in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. His person, his preeminence, his praise, his promise, and his plea. I've titled this sermon, The Alpha and the Omega, Selected version, Verses from the Book of Revelation. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation. The Book of Revelation. It's on page 1087 in the Holy and Anointed Version. 1087. The Book of Revelation, chapter 1. Chapter 1. The Book of Revelation, chapter 1. And we're going to read some verses together, come back and have some comments and talk about our outline this morning, all right? Or this afternoon. Revelation chapter 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I need you to say a hearty amen. amen. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, who saints? John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he, as a matter of fact, verse 3, look at verse 3, read it with me. Blessed is he who reads, I need everybody to read that verse with me, come on y'all. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, in verse 4, to the seven churches which are in Asia Minor, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, underline that, the firstborn from the dead, underline that, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, underline that, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, underline that, and has made us kings and priests to his God and the Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, the church said, Amen. Come on, read verse 8 with me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's saying, stop right there, give me your attention. One thing when I'm teaching the book of Revelation I like to clear up is that you want to notice, go back to verse 1 to the beginning of the book. You want to notice at the beginning of the book, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice it does not say the revelations with an S. It says the revelation singular. Um, it kind of drives me bananas, actually. Right? Do you ever just some things just drive you bananas? Well, this is one of the things that kind of drive me kind of bananas when I hear somebody say, "Oh, the Book of Revelations." It's not the Book of Revelations. It's the Book of Revelation. This book is a book 
of revelation or of unveiling, are you listening? Or of revealing or presenting one person, Jesus Christ. Now, within this book, there are, John has several revelations about various things that are happening throughout the course of time, but all of those revelations are pointing back to the uh, Jesus Christ, the, what, the purpose of the book, to unveil, to uncover the one person, Jesus Christ. It isn't revelations. The book is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. And there are some people who study this book to understand prophecy. Listen, if you study this book to understand prophecy, you're studying this book for the wrong reason. The point of the book of Revelation isn't to enlighten you in prophecy. The point of the book of Revelation is for you to have an encounter with Jesus personally. This book is intended to give you a deeper understanding of his glory and greatness and to cause you to have a greater intimacy with him personally. Now, the time of the book. The time of the book is written around A.D. 95-96. The first century church was under extreme and heavy persecution. In the summer of 68 A.D., Caesar Nero committed suicide, and several years later, a gentleman by the name of Titus Flavius Domitian became the Roman emperor. Historians tell us that Caesar Nero was an insane devil. Historians also tell us that Domitian was a sane devil. Domitian was so cold-blooded, he was a cold-blooded murderer. He demanded to be worshipped as God and demanded to, to be addressed as our Lord God Domitian. Well, the Christians refused to worship him as God because the Christians understood that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And Christians understood that we should worship one God. There is only one God. Christians understood that. So they refused to worship Domitian as God. And because they refused to worship Domitian as God, He had them thrown into the lion's den, the Fox's Book of Martyrs. You might want to pick it up in the bookstore. He had them thrown in the lion's den, burned at the stake, wrapped in animal skins and fed to the dogs. He would dip them in hot wax and light them on fire and place them in his imperial gardens. He would crucify mothers and drape babies around their necks. He was sick. And he wiped millions of our brothers and sisters off the face of the earth. So then Domitian decided to go after the leaders of the church. John, are you listening? John John is the last living apostle. John is 100 years old. Domitian has his henchmen find John and bring him to trial, and they sentence him to death, and they try to boil him in hot boiling oil, but John didn't die. When Domitian heard that John didn't die, he banished him to the rocky, barren island of where? Very good. 50 miles away from the city of Ephesus, 10 miles long, five miles wide. This is where people would do hard labor. It was the first century Alcatraz. 
It was there in this seemingly God-forsaken, rocky, barren island that John received the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 3 again. I want you to look at verse 3. Go ahead and look at it. Blessed is he who reads. Y'all, y'all come on and read it with me again. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Now look at me. Give me your attention. Raise your hand if you want to be blessed. All right. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand now. Did you hear what I said? Y'all need coffee. All right, let me try it again. Raise your hand if you want to be blessed. Oh, there you go. That looks a whole lot better. If you want to be blessed. Somebody had the hand up like this. Oh, you want a double blessing, right? Uh, I said, you want it all, huh? Me too. I want it all, okay? If you want to be blessed, according to the Bible, according to Scripture, the Bible says if you want to be blessed, read this book. Verse 3 tells us you'll get a blessing just by sitting down reading the book. Praise God it doesn't say, blessed is he who reads and understands. (laughs) Say amen. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) It says if you just read it. There's no other book in the Bible that says if you just sit down and read this book, you're going to get blessed. Isn't that contrary to what the world says? The world says don't read the book of Revelation because it's spooky. Somebody ever tell you that? Oh, the book of Revelation. Oh, spooky. Oh, spooky. Oh, spooky. Don't read the book of Revelation. Or they say, oh, don't open that book. Because if you open the book, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, a light's going to come out and like burn up your head and your eyeballs are going to burn out your head. And don't open that book. You know, people think that. There's nothing spooky about this book. As a matter of fact, the Bible says if you read this book, you are going to be blessed. Actually, the light of Jesus will come and shine in your heart, and you'll get a blessing if you read this book. I want you to clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? Now, five things, listen, let's move forward. Five things from the book of Revelation about Jesus. And listen, time doesn't permit me to go into detail the detail that we could. So we're going to just pick up a few things and, and move forward, okay? First of all, his person. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 1 in verse 5. Look at his person. And, and the first thing verse 5 tells us about his person is that Jesus Christ is the what? Faithful witness. Who is the babe born in Bethlehem? He's the faithful witness. In other words, what Jesus says is true. You can count on it. Somebody needs to say amen. And in this confusing and mixed up world, in this world where people break promises and vows with no thought, in this world, in this country where it is easier to get a divorce than it is to adopt a child, that is mixed up value. There's so many philosophies and different ideas in this world and values and thinking. It's good to know that the word of Jesus can be counted on because he is the faithful witness. Am I right about it? He's a faithful witness. And I think of Psalm 89 is written all about the faithful witness. And you can read it in your own time, but I'll just read you two verses. In Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens. The word faithful, if you're taking notes, you write this down, means reliable. 
trustworthy, always speaking the truth. Jesus didn't come into the world to learn truth, but to deliver truth. Did you hear me? He didn't come into the world to learn truth. He came in the world to deliver truth. He's not the baby who must be taught. He's the son of God who speaks truth. John 18, 37, write it down. Jesus said to Pilate, for this cause I was born and for this cause I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Jesus came into the world on Christmas morn to speak truth. Well, notice also about his person in verse five, he's called the firstborn from the dead. Now you might think if you've been with us in John, you might think Lazarus is the firstborn from the dead. Well, Lazarus died for four days, remember? But Lazarus will die again. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, never to die again. Jesus is the first begotten of the dead in the resurrected, glorified body. So this is not just a born baby, but also a resurrected God-man. Look at verse 5 again, talking about his person. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. That means every king, every man who ever walked the face of the earth will bow the knee to King Jesus. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.